Would you go with me please this morning to Psalm 34. The 34th Psalm. Thank you, Lord. For several weeks now, we've been teaching, ministering on this subject of being free from all fears. Free from all fears. Let's read this and continue this morning. Go to Psalm 34, please. Psalm 34. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for everything that you've already done for us this morning. Thank you for your holy written word, how precious it is to us. It's life to us, health and medicine to all of our flesh. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide, our helper, whom you've sent to indwell us and to teach us. Give everybody, we pray, eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that are receptive and understanding. Let there come grace deposits and truth impartations, revelation of truth that makes free. And we purpose not to be forgetful hearers or hearers only, but by your grace we'll be doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 34, let's read the first four verses out loud together, please. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Amen. Let's say this last one again. I sought the Lord. And what happened? He heard me. And then what happened? He delivered me from all my fears. What does all mean? You know, years ago, a friend of mine... Very studious. He was studying some passages and actually was talking about, you know, all things are possible to him that believes. And he was studying on this verse. And so he decided to do an uh, etymological study on uh, this word all. And so, man, he delved into the Greek and into the Hebrew and the Chaldean and the Aramaic. And he studied roots back to far as he could check. And I asked him, what would you come up with? He said, well, this word that's from the Greek into the English all is also very similar to the Hebrew and Chaldean and Aramaic. He said what it really means brought from there to here in the English is uh, all. <laughs> he said, that's... That's what it means. Well, that's what it means, right? And if he delivered us from all my fears, right? Then how many are left? None. What does it say? He delivered me from all my fears. Man, I like that. Well, now we begin, I guess this is what our seventh session. Is that right? We begin looking back at the source of fear. 
and where fear came from and the roots of it. And we talked about how that nobody can make you fear. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. So if you get afraid, it's because you or I yielded to it. Nobody can make you fear. You have to yield to it. And the thing is, even though you feel afraid, thoughts of fear, hair standing up on the back of your neck, goosebumps, knees bumping together, that doesn't mean that you've lost the battle to fear. It means you got symptoms of fear, right? And you must, what must you do when you feelings of fear and thoughts, what do you do with it? Resist it. You resist it. You say with the psalmist, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear. Are you going to see and feel some things in the valley of the shadow of death? Sure. But your decision is, I refuse to fear. I feel this. I see it. The feelings are here, the thoughts are here, but I refuse to fear. I don't yield to it. I resist it. And if you resist it, what's going to happen? Has to leave you, right? Because it's of the enemy, it's not of God. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, right? He didn't. He gave us the spirit of what? Power, love, sound mind. That's what we have. Uh, Our last session... We talked about the fear of man. And the Bible said the fear of man brings a snare. It brings bondage. Today, I'd like for us to go on, and this is really closely connected with this, to talk about the fear of God. The fear of God. I don't feel you could do a a proper study on the subject of fear Unless you covered this side of it. The fear of God. The reason so many have so much fear of man. Is because they don't have. Adequate fear of God. Did you hear that now? That's the reason so many. Are paralyzed. And in bondage. To the fear of death. And the fear of man. If you have the proper fear of God, you won't fear death. I said, if you have the proper fear of God, you won't fear man. It will deliver you. Now, we read down to verse 4 in this psalm, but let's keep reading. I'll read it out loud. You just listen. But you see, he said, I called to the Lord and he heard me and He delivered me from all my fears, but in this same psalm. See what else is said about fear. Verse 5. They looked to him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Do the Lord still help people who are poor and broke and got financial trouble? Oh, yeah. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that what? That fear him. Now he just got through talking about us being delivered from all fears. But yet there's another side of this thing, which is the fear of the Lord. Somebody said, well, now that's just talking about respect. Well, yes and no. The same word translated fear talking about don't fear, is used 
for fear of the Lord. Same word. Let me give you three definitions or three parts of an explanation of what is the fear of the Lord. I would say that one, the fear of the Lord is awareness of God. Coupled with it, you could say faith, awareness of and faith in God. Aware of God and faith in God. And then secondly, the fear of God is reverence. Reverence and honor for Him. Reverence and honor for Him. And then thirdly, the fear of God is fear. Fear of the wrath and judgment of God. And that is something to be afraid of. Did you hear me? Listen to this uh, passage in Isaiah. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read it to you. Isaiah eight thirteen. In the living Bible. Again, you don't have to turn there. Just listen. Because this is the living. Isaiah 8.13 said, Don't fear anything except the Lord of the armies of heaven. If you fear him, you need fear nothing else. (laughs) I like that, don't you? Let me read that again. That's Isaiah 8.13 in the living. Don't fear anything except... Did you hear that word? Except the Lord of the armies of heaven or Lord of hosts, which you're used to hearing. If you fear him, you need fear nothing else. Right? Said out loud, I fear God and nothing else. (laughs) How about that? I fear God and... Nothing else. Nothing. Now, um, let's keep reading here. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that what? That fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, what? Fear. Fear the Lord. Now, see, he just started out by telling us. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all fears. And yet, this is a fear you don't want to be delivered from. You want to develop in. Did you hear me? And it is what? The fear of the Lord. Now let me go over this again. Uh, The three things that I gave you. Do you remember? What is the fear of the Lord? It's awareness of it. So you're not going to show respect to God and you're not even aware of it. Aware of him and faith in him. You remember uh, Hebrews 11. If you come to God, you must believe some things, right? What must you believe? That he is. That he exists. That he's real. Right? And that he is a rewarder. He's a good God. You got to believe. You reach up, he reaches back. You draw near to him, he draws near to you. You ask, he answers. You seek, he'll cause you to find. You've got to believe he's a good God. How many understand there are millions of denominational people, they believe he is, but they don't believe that second part. They don't believe that you could count on him to respond to you, be there for you, come through for you, 
their summation is, well, you just never know. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's not believing that he's good and a rewarder. you got to believe he's going to be there for you. He's faithful. He'll never let you down. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. So you've got to believe that God, you've got to be aware of him, and you've got to have faith in him and trust him. Secondly, what? Reverence and honor. And then thirdly, fear. Fear of judgment and the wrath of God. Now, how many understand if you're walking with the Lord, you have no need to fear that third one? Right? If you're obeying him, you're walking with him. But what if you don't? Then you've got reason to fear. Right? And I think this hasn't been touched on as much as it should be. What about the person that has no fear of God? What does that mean? They don't believe in God. They mock the things of God. They mock sin. Should they fear? They should be very afraid. Should they be afraid to die? Yes, they should be afraid to die. Should they be afraid of the judgment to come? Yes, yes. Because hell is awful. It's an awful thing to be outside of Christ. Outside of grace, outside of the blood. It's awful beyond words. It is something to fear. But thank God, you don't have to go that way. You can accept Jesus. You can obey Him. You can walk with Him. And if you do so, there's no cause for you to be afraid. Right? No cause. In fact, we've already talked about it. The Bible said in 1 John that we who walk with him and have faith in him, who know with the righteousness of God in Christ, we will have boldness at his coming. Yep. While other folk are in terror, screaming for the mountains to fall on them and cover them, we step right out and go, hey, Lord, we've been looking for you. We've been waiting on you. Unafraid. What's that worth? Glory to God. Let's keep reading. He said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that what? Fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now, we could go on, but I mean, if you've studied the Bible at all, then you know that the subject of the fear of the Lord is all through the Word. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of references to the fear of God, fear of the Lord, fearing Him. Let me uh, take you now to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews in the New Testament, because sometimes people associate fear of the Lord only with the Old Testament. Well, Hebrews is in the new, correct? Look in Hebrews. Let me take you through a few verses here. Hebrews uh, 5, the fifth chapter. This is talking about the master. Hebrews 5, 7. says, who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, Hebrews 5, 7, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, he was heard in that he what? He feared. Not afraid of the devil, 
not afraid of a disaster, not afraid of an accident, not afraid of the curse, not afraid of, but fear of what? Fear of God. Fear of God. And though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Skip down to the 10th chapter, please. 10, 24, 10, 24. Everybody here this morning, are you awake? You're focused? This is important, isn't it? Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. This is not competition, but it is a spurring each other on. And he goes on to say, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And even way back then, people were skipping church. (laughs) People were laying out in huge numbers. But he said, don't do that. Have you ever heard people tell you, well, now, I just believe that my house can be my church. I like to go out in nature and fellowship with God. Well, great. Nobody said you couldn't. But that doesn't change the fact that the Bible says you're not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We're supposed to come together in a group. Right? And among other reasons, this one, he said we're to provoke each other. What does that mean? Well, that means if I get a new car, and I don't mean, you know, I didn't do something weird to get it. The Lord blessed me with it. Then you say, hey, I can have a new car too. Right? There's no competition, but you're stirred up. And I come in and find out that you have three vacation homes. I know some folk don't like this, but I'm just going to camp right here on it. <laughs> then I get stirred up and go, well, hey, why couldn't I have another vacation home? Right? right. Somebody, the Lord used them to lead 50 people to the Lord. And you say, well, hey, God could use me, right? I mean, you hear testimony that somebody, not a preacher, but somebody from the church here laid hands on somebody and they were gloriously healed from a terminal disease. And you think, well, hey, I got hands, right? Why can't I lay hands on somebody? You see what we're talking about? See, if you stay off to yourself, then you get to thinking you know everything. And you get to thinking you're doing so wonderful and so good and you know so much. But when you get thrown in the mix of other people that's believing God, you can come to reality and realize, huh, <laughs> I ain't doing so hard. I mean, I could do, I'm not where they are, right? And there's not this competition. It's just this, let's all come up together, right? We're stirred. It's another word for provoked. We're prodded and moved to come on up. And we need that on the regular basis. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Verse 26. Well, let me read the rest of verse 25. Exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Verse 30, he said, we know him that is said, vengeance belongs to me. I'll recompense, says the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a what? 
fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is New Testament, right? Is this a fact? It's a fact. Now let's keep reading. Go on over to the, uh, let's see, the 12th chapter is where I'd like for you to go now. Chapter 12. We're talking about the fear of the Lord this morning. And we haven't digressed at all because the fear of the Lord displaces every other fear. Did you hear me? Keep that in mind now. When you fear the Lord as you should, you'll not be afraid of the devil. You'll not be afraid of sickness. You'll not be afraid of accidents. You'll not be afraid of men. Right? Let the Lord be your fear, that scripture said. And when you fear him, you need fear nothing else. Not anything else. In Hebrews 12, this tells about when God met Moses and the people of Israel on the mount where he gave them the Ten Commandments and the law. And the scripture says in verse 18, Hebrews 12, 18, he said, you are not come to the mount that might be touched and that burns with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it'll be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said what? Moses, who had talked with the Lord face to face, he said, I exceedingly. Fear and quake. How many understand that our God is an awesome God? The Lord told them through Moses. He said, tell the people to get ready. I'm going to meet with them. Tell them to wash their clothes and and clean up and and prepare and and abstain from certain things for a few days. and, And meet me at this mountain. Well, I'm sure they all thought that was great. We're going to meet God. Whew. We're going to meet God. And so they all showed up out there. And early that morning before daylight. There was this fire that came. And sat on the mountain. And it engulfed the whole mountain. And it ascended out of sight into heaven. Awesome sight. And it just burned and burned. And rolled for hour after hour. And then there was this trumpet that came out of it. That never paused. And the people did not pop out and go, hey, there's Jehovah. Cool. Yeah, that's my daddy, oh God. Uh -uh. Moses, who had talked to God face to face in the glory cloud, he knew God, he'd seen God. But, oh, man, he shook. He was shaking. And when God spoke out of the fire... The Ten Commandments. And when he got through speaking it, the elders, of course, you know, there's millions of people down there. The elders of all the tribes, they came to Moses and they said, please, you go talk to him. (laughs) We are afraid if we hear his voice again, we won't live. Now, God does not want us to be scared of him so that we pull away. 
But we do need to understand who we're dealing with. Right? He's not the version of God in Jesus that some people talk about today. I mean, they have a watered down commercial Jesus. How many understand God is not a charismatic God? He's not a Baptist God. He's not a Presbyterian God. He's not a Catholic God. He's not even a Jewish God. He is the creator of heavens and earth before there was ever any group of people. Right? He's fire from his loins up and from his loins down. He's everywhere present. He knows everything. There's nothing impossible to him. Oh, he's awesome. I said he's awesome. And the problem that has developed is because God doesn't demonstrate himself in the earth like that every day. He chooses not to. Let me explain this a little bit further. How many understand that God could rid the earth of unbelievers before nightfall? By simply, he could manifest his self and his presence in the earth so that within an hour... There would be nobody on the planet who doubted God's existence. Be very easy for him. So why doesn't he do that? He does not want to. He chooses not to. He doesn't want people serving him just out of terror or serving him because they think they have no choice. He set it up to where he will only receive those who believe him without seeing him. Who commit to him without any coercion or force. How many understand you can't have real love if it's forced? You can't have real faith if it's pushed. And so right now there's this season where the faithful are being shown. Soon he is going to come back. (laughs) And everybody's going to know. I understand that soon and very soon there will be no atheists. <laughs> there will be no agnostics. And there will be no believers in other religions. Mm-mm. The smart ones believe in him now. Am I looking at any smart ones? Yeah. But because God is not manifesting himself in the earth like that, people can go on pretending like there's no God and have, living with no fear of God. What does that mean, no fear of God? No awareness of God, no faith of God, no reverence of God, no honor of God, no fear of judgment for their sin. You know, even with Christian people. So many times because God is not real to Christians. They believe in him, but he's not real to them. People are more real to them than God is. So because of that, the fear of man is greater in their life than the fear of God. And this is one way it's evidenced by always thinking, wonder what they think. Wonder what they think. Wonder what they, uh, how they see me. Wonder how they look at me. Wonder how they think. Is that the most important thing? What's the most important thing? Hmm? Well, the most important thing is how God sees you. Right? And see, fear of God, the reverence and respect and honor of God, will displace. If I 
have the solace and consolation that God is pleased with me and God accepts me, then why do I lay awake and lose sleep thinking about what men might think? Because God is so much greater than men. Are you with me now? People make decisions. They do things against their conscience, against their heart, out of fear of man. Why? Because the lack of the fear of God. The fear of God will keep you from sinning. Won't it? You read in the scripture, I won't take time to go through them, but so many times individuals said, I can't do this. Why? Because I fear God. I won't do this. Why? Because I fear God. What does that mean? I believe in him. I'm aware of him. I'm aware of whether he's pleased with me or not. I reverence him and I fear his judgment. Right? If I walk with him, I got no reason to fear. But if I ignore him and I rebel against him, we'll read this 12th chapter. Let's finish reading it. And you'll see what there is to fear. The 12th chapter. Verse 21, we read, Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. He said, you are not come, but you are come, rather, unto the Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Verse 25, see that you refuse not him that speaks. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. How many believe he's coming back? How many believe his voice is going to shake the earth again and the heavens? And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, or the margin says that may be shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Well, the next time he speaks, anything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the only things that remain are things that are unshakable. Verse 28, now get this. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved... Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably. With what? With reverence. And what? Now here's the word, isn't it? With what kind of fear? Godly fear. We're not to fear men and disease and demons and and lack. We're to fear none of those things. But we are to have godly fear. Reverence. And the fear of God. For our God is what? Is a consuming fire. You do not want to be on the wrong side of God. You do not want to be on the judgment side of God. He's so powerful. He's so awesome. How many understand the Lord could manifest himself in this room with the lift of his little finger? And it would be so awesome that every one of us would have our nose pasted to the carpet in a moment of time and wouldn't move until he changed. And just lay there and say, the Lord is God. The Lord, he is God. Right? But the Lord is not interested in scaring us, though. He's not interested in scaring us. He could very easily. <laughs> he could scare us. 
without hardly trying. He's so powerful. But he's not interested in that. But he is interested in us realizing who our God is. And not acting flippant about him. And not being flippant about displeasing him. And sinning against him. You know, sin is a serious thing. Displeasing God is a serious thing. And yet you hear people talk. I've had people tell me, well, I'll just First John 1, 9 it. What does that mean? They plan on doing it again. We just got through reading. When you know better and you sin against knowledge, you can do it to the point where there's nothing left but judgment. And you get in that kind of place, you have something to be afraid of. Say it again, I fear God and nothing else. Go with me please to the book of Matthew. Are y'all believing with me this morning? This is such a big subject. But I believe the Lord's helping us. Matthew chapter 10. And look at what Jesus said about this. You understand this is all New Testament, right? Is there anything in the New Testament about the fear of the Lord? Oh, certainly. Much. Matthew 10. Matthew 10 and verse 16. Matthew 10, 16. The Lord says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they'll deliver you up to the councils. They'll scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them. Now skip on down to verse 22. He said, you'll be hated of all men for my namesake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Uh, Now he keeps on talking about it. So having heard that, they just got through hearing. These people may beat you. They may scourge you. They may kill you. And verse 26, what does he say? What? Fear them not. Now you can tell when something's really of the Spirit of God. Let's say it's a prophecy or a message or a book or whatever. A movie about end times. If it leaves people in fear, it wasn't right. I'm talking about Christians. You understand? He tells us about all this. So what about persecution for Jesus sake what about this and what about that the bottom line is don't fear it Amen. right it, we, you know over in Matthew 25 he talks about all the signs of the end time coming and wars and, and rumors of wars and, and nations striving and all these things and what's the bottom line he says see that you are not afraid Amen. bottom line see that you are not afraid everybody say it out loud I'm not afraid I'm not, afraid. not afraid of the future I'm not afraid of the happenings on earth. He told them. He said, some of you are going to get scourged. Naturally, you'd think, hmm, I'm kind of scared of getting scourged. But he said, don't be afraid of it. Right? Friends, you know, if you get punished because of your own mistakes, that's one thing. But if you are doing what the Lord tells you to do, 
Think about the three Hebrew children that got thrown into the fiery furnace. They didn't even feel it. Think about uh, Stephen that got stoned. While they're stoning him, big huge rocks are hitting him and destroying his body. And what's he saying? (laughs) I see the glory. (laughs) That's Jesus. I see Jesus. That made him throw more rocks harder. And the Bible said he laid down and went to sleep. Is that something to be afraid of? Uh Uh-uh. No. No. See, when you're walking with the Lord, even if your body's being taken out, there's this cocoon of peace and the glory of God. (laughs) Woo! The important thing is that you're doing what he told you to do. You're standing for him. And it's what he told him. He said, don't be afraid of that. Don't fear that. Well, what if they scourge me? Well, don't be afraid of it. What if they kill me? You get to check out your new mansion. But now keep reading. He said, fear them not, therefore. For there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And verse 28, what does he say again? Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather what? Now this is Jesus talking. He said, don't fear men. What if they kill me? He said, don't be afraid of them. Let me tell you who to fear. Fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Not one of them shall fall to the ground without your father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. What's the bottom line here again? Fear you not. For you are of more value than many sparrows. Glory to God. He said, don't fear man. But do what? Fear. Fear God. He's the one that has the real power. Right? Men like to think they have power. But a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven, the scripture said. You remember Jesus when he stood before Pilate? They prodded him and pushed him to answer questions and and most of them he wouldn't answer. And finally Pilate looked at him and he said, don't you understand? I can kill you or let you go. In other words, don't you understand? Your life is in my hand. Jesus looked at him and said, you could have no power at all. Lest he was given you from above. Whew. Now, friend, that's no fear. You're standing there looking at an execution, looking at the man that could let you off. But you know, he's just a man. (laughs) Why do I have to be afraid of just a man? Right? I know who to fear. My God. And fear of him liberates you from fear of man. Go to Isaiah. I'm thinking about closing here. (laughs) Isaiah. Oh my, there's so many, so many good things here. Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Well, I feel like I've just barely begun on this today. But you know, getting all the details is not what you're after anyway. What should you be after? The spirit of the thing, right? If you get the spirit of the thing, 
Then the Lord keep teaching you on it. Right? All night and tomorrow and you just keep seeing things and getting things. And the spirit of it is this. The fear of God sets you free from every other fear. Isaiah 51. Are you there? Well, you're ahead of me. But I have it written down here. Isaiah (laughs) 51. And look at verse 7. 51, 7. The Lord said, Hearken to me, you that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear you not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revilings. Skip down to verse 12. He said, I, even I, am he that what? Comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man that shall die and the son of man which shall be made as grass and forgets the Lord your maker that stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and you feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? What's the Lord saying here? Do you hear this? He's saying, who is this man that you're so scared of him and you forgot about me? You're so caught up in the fear of terror. I mean, how many understand in this country we've got millions of Christians, even born again people that are scared spitless of terrorists? How many believe that a terrorist cannot touch you? When your God protects you and keeps you. So who should we be concerned about? Not the terrorist. God. But I tell you what the problem is. It has happened in our country. When people push God out. When you push him out of your school. And you push him out of your government. And you push him out. You say we don't want him. And yet we want his protection. Well it don't work that way. If you want his protection. You got to have Him, everything that He is. You can't despise His words one day and then ask for His help the next. It doesn't work that way. So the thing to fear is that God is displeased with you and God can't keep you because you're not obeying Him. That's the thing to fear. That's when the enemy has access to you, can get to you. No. He said, what is man? And who are you? Why are you scared of them? And you forgot me. Remember me? I made the heavens and the earth. Remember me? (laughs) I give you your next breath. Right? Are you seeing this now? The fear of God, what does it do? Man, it makes you forget about people. You think, hey, they're not my judge. I'm not going to stand before them. Right? They're not the one that keeps me breathing. They're not the one that pays my bills. They're not the one that keeps my kids healthy. Right? So why should I be all caught up on that? Go to the 57th chapter. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 11, he says it again, Isaiah 57, 11. Of whom have you been afraid or feared that you have lied and have not remembered me nor laid it to your heart? Have not I held my peace even of old and you what? Fear me not. 
that was their great failure. They did not fear him. We do fear God. I said we do fear God. This is a key to the greater moves and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The Lord has told us this is how he operates. Don't give the precious things to pigs. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? Don't give precious things to somebody who doesn't appreciate it. Who doesn't have the capacity to value it. So where's God going to move in the stronger ways? What churches? What groups? What homes? Where's he going to move with the strongest anointings? The greatest revelation. The greatest miracles. It's going to be among the people who fear him more. What does that mean? Who are more aware of him. Who love him more. Who have more faith in him. Who have more reverence for him. More honor that when he speaks, we don't just look at each other and go, well, Brother Keith said something. Well, so-and-so said something. This one says, no, we go, God said something. I'm believing God for things to grow stronger and stronger in this place until it is clear to everybody. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. He did it. He did it. He did it. And he gets all the glory, all the credit, all the praise. Hallelujah. And you watch it as we cultivate and the Lord does things for us. And we all go, oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And we reverence him. We are aware of his presence more during the day, Monday through Friday and in the nighttime and daytime. And we're aware and we don't do things. We're perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Like 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, we say, no, the Lord wouldn't be pleased with that. Uh, no, he doesn't like that. So we're aware of what he likes and what he doesn't like. And we're growing. We're aware of him. Say aware of him. Aware. Why don't you just stand up on your feet right now, please? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.